All right, this is Gary Parrish from CBSSports.com. It is now late on March 29th. By the time you listen to this, it is almost certainly uh, March 30th, and this is the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined, per usual, uh, by Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini, and the Final Four is now set. In case you missed it somehow, Wisconsin beat Arizona, Kentucky beat Notre Dame, Michigan State beat Louisville, and Duke beat Gonzaga. So it's Duke versus Michigan State on Saturday, followed by Kentucky versus Wisconsin. The winners of those games will play next Monday night for the national championship. Norlander, you have already called it the best Final Four in the history of organized basketball or something similar. Explain Uh your position, sir. All right, so we're we're working with two things here. I'm saying it's... It's the most, I probably wasn't clear enough, like I, I really had to fire off that takeaways post, but I, to me it's going to be the most enticing Final Four um, ever, and I think the TV ratings will absolutely bear this out. I think that in a tournament that has seen records be broken for television ratings literally by the day, um, I think that's going to be proven once again, and Saturday's numbers are going to be ridiculous, and then Monday, if... Kentucky is involved Monday. Uh, they're going to be insane. But when you look at the programs, when you look at Michigan State being the the dark horse, the Cinderella, and they've got Izzo. I mean, all of these are just Izzo and Cal and Bo Ryan are not in the Hall of Fame yet. And Cal and Bo Ryan are actually up for it. Um, that'll be announced Monday. So the winner of that game could very well be coaching Monday night as a member of the Naismith Hall of Fame, which is awesome. Um, it's just fantastic 40 and 0 is really what puts it over the top for me because when you've got the backdrop of an undefeated season heading into a final four that really ups the ante uh the only time we've ever had that in the modern era obviously was uh 91 vegas and that was the one that in my opinion 91 vegas uh when it had kansas unlv uh unc and and duke uh, was huge. 08 had all the one seeds, and that was a lot of hype going into it as well. But I'm I'm more on edge for this one because it's also, by the way, got the four best freaking big men in the game. You got Colley Stein, Towns, Okafor, and the player of the year, most likely, in Kaminsky. Uh, that's tremendous to me. Um, so that's that's kind of why I see it as the best as we head into Saturday. Obviously, we'll have to see how the games play out. In hindsight, it's you know it's a tall task to ask those three games to uh, for sure give us what would be the best Final Four overall as a huge pack. As we got to see how everything plays out. I think it's a reasonable way to frame it. I mean, from a coaching perspective, uh, Kay's already in the Hall of Fame. Bo and Cal could both be in the Hall of Fame by Monday, and Izzo is a certain future Hall of Famer. We all agree on that, right? Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so then you've got um, if like keep in mind if if Kaminsky is not the Player of the Year, guess who it's going to be. Jalu Okafor. All right, so they're both here. Um, the 40 and Top two picks in the draft. Top two picks in the draft. Top two player of the year candidates. Uh, four guys who will, you know, either are already in the Hall of Fame or someday will be in the Hall of Fame. And then I'm with you, the 40 and 0 thing, the backdrop of that. I mean, the idea that you're, you know, you have an opportunity with this Final Four to produce something that literally has never uh, been produced before, which is a 40 and 0 uh, season at the uh, Division One men's level. Uh, I mean, in terms of, I always say this about sports, the games are the games. Like sometimes you get awesome games like, you know, Kentucky, Notre Dame, uh, but mostly the games are the games, whatever. I, I'm more into the storylines. I'm more into the hype. Uh, like I like the buildup more than I actually like 
the games um, most times. And this has all the buildup. This has all the storylines. I mean, you you could approach it from a variety of angles. You know, Izzo being there again under these circumstances. A guy who, and we can get into all of this later on, but, you know, a guy who had become... I don't know if Tom will say this publicly, but I know it to be true. A bit disenchanted with college basketball over the past few years. Like, um, people look at his roster and go, God, what's happened to Tom Izzo's roster? Well, some of it is because, and I'm not saying this is true or false. I'm just saying that I believe Tom feels this way. Um, that, that recruiting at the highest level has become uh, something that he's not comfortable getting involved with. And I think he's, he feels like he's lost some players because he wasn't willing to maybe do some things that other programs were willing to do. A little and bit of Gary Williams effect there. A little bit of it, right? You, would, you know Tom, Matt. You would agree with this, right? I, I am fully on board with this. Okay, so, so to see him then have this moment you know, that, that he had earlier today where, wow, okay, I, you know, I didn't, and, and let me be very, very clear. I'm not calling anybody an angel because when you start talking about college basketball coaches as he does it the right way, you know, the, you can really get yourself in a bad spot. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm not, let, let, let me make sure I'm being very clear. I'm not saying anybody's an angel. I'm just saying that um, he's felt like, I believe that he's, he's lost out on some players because he wasn't willing to go as far maybe as some other programs and coaches were willing to go. And, and it, must, it just must be extremely gratifying um, you know, to go to bed on a Sunday night knowing you're going to the Final Four and, and that you can get there even though um, you, know, you might have got burned for maybe playing it a little straighter than, than some other coaches did. And so that, that's one tremendous storyline. That would be maybe the best storyline uh, in, in any other year. But you know, now you have Bo Ryan and, and Kaminsky and, and this Wisconsin team that entered with all these expectations. They're back. Kentucky chasing 40-0. Calipari for his second national title. That's simple. And then, um, and then Jesus Christ, the winningest coach in the history of Division I men's basketball. And, you know, He's going to try and, if he wins, he'll be, it'll be five. And so he'll be second all-time, like, alone. He'll, he'll pass um, Adolph Rupp. Um, that's huge. I yeah. mean, uh, so, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's great. Like, I'm not a historian, so I can't speak to you about the 1976 Final Four. I don't really, like, I don't get involved on that level. But, you know, for as long as I've been doing this, I, I can't think of anything better than this. In terms of the storylines that have presented themselves, um, it's about as good as it gets. Sam, your thoughts on, uh, on, on you know, we're all headed to mi Indy midweek. Um, pretty, pretty, will this be your first Final Four? It will be. Okay, so how about My that? Gosh, man. It's not a bad, not, really, I, no, just, I just not, thought not about a bad. that. Not a bad Final Four to be my first one. I know, right? And, you know, like, I'm not even someone that gets super into the storylines like you guys do. I, I am someone that cares more about the games. And can, can you ask for a better game than Wisconsin and Kentucky? Like, in all honesty, can you in a Final Four? Because we just saw what Notre Dame did to Kentucky. They slowed them down. They knocked down some threes. They actually finished inside with Zach August really well against that, uh, against that tough Kentucky front line. And that's what Wisconsin does. They just do it better on offense. Right. You know what I mean? Like Wisconsin can cause them genuine problems on offense. And I'm really excited to see how that goes down. And, you know, Izzo and Coach K, that, that's going to be an incredible butt of heads in butt of matchups. Like, how does Tom Izzo try and match up with Jolly Okafor? How does 
How does Duke try and slow down uh, Travis Trice in the pick and roll? How does there's so many different things that are going to be awesome about these games. And even if even if you're someone like me that doesn't enjoy the storylines, I am beyond thrilled that these are our matchups. Like I can't even begin to say. Yeah, um, I I'm very thrilled. To, like Louisville would have had a lot of storylines as well. But oh, there was first... a part of me like, listen, I'm happy for Tom. I'm I'm happy for that program. There was a part of me that thought it would be really awesome to get, reach a scenario where, assuming Kentucky gets past Wisconsin, and I I don't know that you could safely assume that, but like just hypothetically speaking, and for the national championship, it would guarantee that Calipari either had to get past Coach K and Duke or. Rick Patino and Louisville. Like there was something that I thought was that, pretty awesome okay. about so that. So that's, yeah, that's where I said. We might as well just nuke Kentucky if that was going to happen. <laughs> know, that would have like, been interesting. Uh, but I, I was, I was more drawn to seeing Michigan state get there um, for whatever reason, just uh, from a writer standpoint. Um, but uh, yeah, very, very fascinated. I mean, I'll kind of ramble off some, some thoughts and you guys can respond as you want, but Duke, in my opinion, uh, gets to the final four, getting average play from Jaleel Okafor. I think that's a great sign for that team because I just don't see him being as average for him as he was against both Utah and Gonzaga. Sam Decker, just out of freaking nowhere to a certain extent, having, and Sam, you know, you were there. We can get to uh, what you saw. Just, just, I mean, amazing stuff from Decker. The kind of like what Decker did, um, when he came in, he was very highly touted, um, certainly one of the most highly regarded freshmen to ever enter in at Wisconsin. And that fizzled to a certain extent somewhat, especially into his sophomore year. But then last year, last summer, he just has an incredible um, showing at LeBron camp, a lot of hype. Then this, this season, it's just okay again. And then he just shows up in the hugest way. Um, when they needed him, like Carolina really gave Wisconsin a scare. And then obviously... Arizona was what it was. Um, in in my region, uh, you know, we had kind of discussed uh, the Sweet Six game, 16 games already. Um, so I'll just kind of hit what I saw um, on Saturday. And that, you know, really one of the three best games I've ever had the privilege of covering in person. Uh, my body was, inten- it was tense for the entire second half. Um, the arena was incredible. I would say it was, I, heard, I saw some 80-20. I really think it was about 70-30 Kentucky. I mean, once... Uh, Vistoria hit the three to put him up 59-53. Uh, there got, we got a serious pop and I kind of looked around and I was like, whoa, we, there are, there are definitely, it's not just, you know, the one section behind where I was Notre Dame fans. Um, so composed, uh, I sat next to DeCourcy, Mike DeCourcy of Sporting News. And in the first half, you know, it was tied 31-31, uh, near the end of the first half, he looked over at me and he's like, look at the freshman aside from towns. No one wants to be on the floor. And from like when you get the perspective of sitting on the floor and this is why it to me it's like basketball and and boxing even more so when you're that close to the action and you can really uh, see faces and body language you can really glean a lot from uh, how a game is playing out and who's reacting and DeCourcy was right on the money for a a decent while those guys they were not I wouldn't say they were intimidated they were they were a little bit like okay we're this is a this is a serious thing here and you could you could tell uh but that game was just unreal uh Bray not doubling towns yeah what happened there explain that to me (sighs) I mean 
I, I wanted to ask him. I have as game ends, I'm running around and he was swamped. So if he said something, I didn't get, I didn't see the great quote. I don't know why they did it. Um, I, cause you know, August had the game of his life. He played terrifically, but if they, if they double him, I don't know how they Kentucky necessarily kills and ends Notre Dame in other ways. But I, I tell you what, that is why Kentucky is going to the final four, just because he, he just ate. I mean, they fed him, they fed him, they fed him and he kept eating, did not miss a shot in the second half. Um, played so well. I mean, it's nuts. He had he was the only Kentucky player that basically didn't show up against West Virginia, and Cal killed him in the post game. But that's just Cal being Cal, like you know what he was doing. But the point is, that he then he then he plays just out of his mind against Notre Dame in a way that he should have. I mean, he's that good. If you're going to defend him like that, that's what Towns will do to you. Um, and he gets the most outstanding player, even though uh, for the region, even though the West Virginia game, he was just nothing. He was he was awful. Um, that was the biggest thing. But I, I tell you, um, it was just, and I wrote about this late Saturday. Um, I, I was happy at least that Kentucky and Wisconsin should give them this as well. Uh, but at least like they, they really got pushed. I'm telling you, like it never felt like they were definitely going to win. Only when Harrison, Andrew Harrison, hit the free throw because Notre Dame didn't have the timeout. And I didn't think they were getting anything good off that inbound against Kentucky Steve. They knew they were going to press him. Colley Stein is just a freak. No seven-footer should be able to keep up with Jaron Grant for 91 feet down the floor. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, but that was only, that's the only time I thought Kentucky would definitely win. I didn't think they were necessarily going to lose, but it was, uh, it was just a, a tight, tight tug of war. Uh, a thrilling, thrilling game. And just a quick note on the Notre Dame locker room, uh, just because it was interesting to me. So these tournament games, they happen, right? And like West Virginia, they get their just faces punched in, and the locker room is is brutal. A lot of times it's bad scenes, but there have been some like – I've been in some where it's just like really bad, and West Virginia was really, really bad. I mean, you'd think their parents would have all died bad. Kids were not capable of talking to the media. Some shirts over faces – Daxter Miles Jr. was in a bathroom until an assistant coaxed him out, and I wrote about that. But the point is, Notre Dame, I thought they might be similar. I was blown away by, I wouldn't say they were okay with it, but some hangdog eyes, but nothing, no tears, no stress. It was uh, it was weird. It was almost as if, like, we gave them our best, and uh, we're going to be really proud of that, but, you know, it is what it is. It was just... I, I don't know. It was it was a weird scene. I, I would I would never think a team that took Kentucky to the absolute brink would be as composed as that afterward. It was just bizarre, but um, well, tremendous didn't, game. Didn't Bray, didn't Bray sort close of, to that. Didn't Bray sort of uh, I don't know give off that same vibe in the post game? Like he it, did. Like, he like, did. It was a little bit like yo, we like we we did everything we could. We we gave the best yeah. team in the country of uh, the best shot they've had, and uh, you know we're comfortable with that. Like coaches yes. always say. Um, hey, if we give, if our best, like even Cal Perry says this all the time, if our best isn't good enough, that's fine. And it seems like Notre Dame, like sort of embraced that idea. We gave it our best. It wasn't good enough. That's cool. Which is kind yeah. of a cool way to live. I, you know, I'd, I'd probably be hey, pissed off, yeah. but like I can, I can get down with that. That and that's who Bray is. He said it twice, by the way, because I, I was not at his presser, but I read the transcript, and he basically said, "Hey, yeah, I was, I was walking down the hall with with Steve and Zach." For whatever reason, Connaughton and, and Jaron did not go to the postgame presser. They stayed in the locker room. But and he was talking about we're already thinking about next year. And then he met with the. Then I heard him say it when he met in, in the hallway after his press conference with reporters. You know, this game happened, but we were just we are already talking about next year. And that's a large extent who Bray is. Uh, I've said it on the podcast before. I'm telling you, there is no better coach in the country to deal with after a loss than Mike Bray. He is unbelievably good. Um, and he just gets it to that kind of extent. 
Um, but hey, thank you, Notre Dame, for giving that kind of effort. It, it just played a near perfect game. Uh, Kentucky was truly scared. I asked all the players what they felt, and every single one of them said relief. It wasn't, they were like, yeah, joy came about 30 seconds, 60 seconds later, but when it went triple zeros and they saw Grant's three went long, um, they were all pretty relieved. So that was, you like, know. That's a scary thing. Like, even though it's a bad shot, when a ball is in the air and, like, your whole legacy is, like, at, you know, at stake, and, and at that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, the ball's in the air. Like, that is a scary thing. And, uh, I mean, it missed. The shot was never close. But, you right. know, just the idea that there's a ball in the air and it could end this magical season, like, that relief makes a whole lot of sense to me. That's what I would have felt. Yeah, they were all very honest about that, uh, especially Lyles. I got Lyles one-on-one after, you know, the throng, the throng kind of walked away from him, and he was he was pretty forthcoming with that kind of stuff. Um, and... You know, and he said, you know, joy, pr- pride for being with my team and all that stuff that you would expect. But it was, um, it was, you know, the second game on Saturday, really three of the four games were amazing. We didn't have anyone in um, in Syracuse and GP. I know you can get to Duke and, and Gonzaga, but Sam got, I mean, that, can you, can you kind of give us what it was like to be in Staples? Because, I mean, you got Wisconsin winning in front of 75, 25 Arizona. Crowd. Yeah, it was something like that. Uh <laughs> I've never seen something like that in the second half with what Wisconsin did. Uh, they they dropped 1.62 points per possession against the fifth best defense, according to Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency rating, since 2006. Like, wow. every single shot that they put up, it, it was going in. And especially if Sam Decker put it up. Like, he was just in one of those zones where... Every single time that he put it up, he was walking away before the ball went in the net, basically. Like, except that last one against Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, where he was fading away and the ball seemed like it stayed in the air for, it had to have felt like 30 seconds to me. And he he looked at that, he watched it, and he just walked away down the floor. And Josh Gosser, who is just the best, Josh Gosser looks straight at Reggie Miller, points at him, and puts his hands like down below his waist, like he's doing the uh, Sam Cassell uh, big ball dance, essentially. Yeah, he he looks at him and says that, and points right at Decker. And Reggie Miller apparently started laughing, according to Gosser. Uh, it, it was the most unbelievable performance that I think I've ever seen, and to be courtside for it was it was amazing. Um, this, this team is just Wisconsin's incredibly loose. Like throughout the entire game, they went into the second half losing by three to Arizona. And there was never a sense that they were worried. There was never a sense that there was going to be, that they were going to like, yeah, there was a sense they were going to lose to everyone else, but to them, they never believed for a second that they were going to lose. So it it, it just never, it, it, it was, it's crazy how loose they are to me, I guess. Like, every single time they play. And I think it's really going to help them against Kentucky because they saw them last year. This is a rematch of last year's final four, obviously. Uh, and like Gary was talking about, I believe it was either on the last podcast or the podcast before that with Wichita state, like you at least go in with something of, of an idea of what you're in for. Right. If you've, if you've played them last year in the NCAA tournament and you played an incredible game against them. And I think that, they're going to go into that game just like Notre Dame did against Kentucky. They're going to be loose. They're going to be ready to go. And, you know, if Kentucky, Kentucky plays their best, they're probably going to lose. But, you know, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised either way if they ended up winning or but, if they ended up losing. Norlander, I know you, and like I know this is going to sound weird given me, uh, given who I am, that I don't know the point spreads on the national semifinals. <laughs> I just haven't even looked yet. Um, you posted that though. Who? What's the what's the numbers on them? Actually, hold on. Let's play a quick little game before I tell you. So, if it, guess what do you think they are? Kentucky minus four and a half would have okay. been exactly my number. It's minus five UK. That's pretty good. And what about the other one? Duke, Michigan State, Duke minus five. Man. I was going to guess. No six. cheating? You swear that is the exact I, number? If I, would, I, I swear I, to God I didn't cheat. No. Yeah, I, I was thinking Duke was going to be closer to seven, uh, but they are both, that, those are both minus five. Um, the and computer, the Vegas loves Michigan State. You have to keep in mind. No, right. Seven. That's what I was, yes, right, right. It is crazy. Um, uh, two quick, two quickies. One, uh, this is just a thought. We can get to it in a few minutes if you want. Um, the Wisconsin Kentucky rematch obviously did not have Collie Stein last year, so that's. Uh, do you just uh, throw him on Kaminsky? It's like just it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's hundred uh, percent what they'll do, yeah, right? Without 100%. a doubt. So that's that's a major facet to the game. You absolutely throw him on Kaminsky no matter what. So right. that's something they didn't have to. Wisconsin didn't have to deal with last year, and it's really something you like. You just can't possibly prepare for. So that's to me that's ultra interesting. Um, and also because it's the first time ever, well, Frank, Frank's going to have to play against somebody who can look him eye to eye and who's probably can move better than him. You know what I'm saying? Well, That's problem, a rare thing. The thing that I'm worried about, as far as Kentucky is concerned, is you're going to have to put Lyles on Decker, right? And Lyles can't move like that, right? Right. I agree, but I think it's kind of uh, like, do you think Decker will be handled? Like, I think they're both going to have advantages on both ends of the floor. Personally, like, I don't know I if Decker is necessarily going to like Lyles is. He's pretty crafty. I like his game overall, but yes, I, I agree. That's that that could go kind of wacky on both sides of the floor. Um, real quick though, because Sam, you wrote on it, and I did want to hit on this real quick. Um, just the notion of like Arizona five straight elite eights having gotten to a Final Four, and you know well, Miller. Not, like not this is now this is now the thing. Like it, it was, you know, it was already there. Um, and I love Sean Miller for saying I'm not going to apologize for only losing four games and I'm not going to apologize for not making a final four because they were an awesome team and they went up against arguably the second best team in the tournament. But, um, you know, Sam wrote about it. GP, I know, you know, you, sh- you know, Sean well. So if we want to just I know yeah, they well, lost. Well, but like, 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 he, like this, I brought this up last. I don't know whether it was Thursday or Friday when we were in studio um, on CBS Sports Network and we were getting, you know, we, it was when we were getting ready for Arizona, Wisconsin. And I, I just sort of made the point, like, this is a big game for, for Sean because every Elite Eight game is a big game for Sean, but it's a big game for everybody. But it's especially big for Sean because, you know, in the, in the sports world, like, you can become defined by big stage shortcomings. Where, in other words, we stop focusing on how awesome it is to get to four Elite Eights, and we just start focusing on how you lost in the elite eight four times, you know, like, like we, we've done this in other sports, like the Buffalo bills were kind of a joke, you know, um, you know, Jim Kelly and all that stuff, like go in independent of everything else. They, they won, they won back-to-back AFC championships, but nobody frames it that way. It's that they, they lost back-to-back Super Bowls. That's the way it's remembered. Like, like if you just frame it the other way, like, Hey, Jim Kelly was a, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills that won back-to-back AFC championships. You go, wow, that's pretty unbelievable. No, no, no. It, it's it's that Jim Kelly was the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills that lost back-to-back Super Bowls. Ooh, boo. Like, and and um, 
you know, Bill Self went through this, you know, for a while. That's before. the that's the equation equation I made. Yeah, like when he, so. when he yeah when he when he before he broke through in two thousand eight, and um, it's just a, it's a weird thing because like Sean Miller is awesome at his job, and he's going to he's going to get to a Final Four, and he's gonna probably win a national championship someday. Um, you just keep you know p- putting together rosters like he's putting together rosters like he he'll do it at some point, and then all of this will be stupid. But yeah. and, and honestly, it's stupid now. But yep. but it is the type of bullet point that gets attached to your name, and it, it's hard. You can't shake it until you shake it. And I do think that's an interesting dynamic. And and uh, you know, from the quotes that that Sean gave you for for your column, Sam, it seems like he gets that. You know, like he sort of understands that that that's going to be a bullet point next to his name until he breaks mm-hmm. through. And it's it's. Uh, it sucks, but it, it, this is the way we do things, you know? Yeah, that's the exact impression I got. He, I honestly, like, I asked him just... Right, you know, no, I saw it. I thought that was great. Yeah, like, do you feel snake bitten? He honestly started laughing. <laughs> like, like it, wasn't, it wasn't, like, laughing at the question. It was just laughing, like, at what has become of Arizona and what's become of his career. Like, he's just like, yeah, I can't, like, he, he's, he's out, it's out of his control at this point in a lot of ways. Like, the way that people are going to think of... Uh, his success level. And, you know, he, he has the exact right idea. Like anyone that bets on Arizona or anyone that bets against Sean Miller, uh, not getting to a final four, even within the next five years, probably I think is throwing money down the drain. Yeah. Arguably like, the second best recruiter in the sport. Yeah. Like oh, so if you go like in terms of like added up four, five stars, four stars, I did this column last summer. It's Calipari head and shoulders above everybody else. Mm-hmm. But then it's Sean Miller. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. No, he, he's, um, here's the one thing I think is working maybe in Sean's favor. When it was with Bill Self, again, this was stupid then and it's stupid. I, this is going to sound crazy. I can remember going on radio stations in Kansas City and you know throughout the state of Kansas before Bill won that national championship, like after the Northern Iowa thing, but before the national championship. Was mm-hmm. that was the was Northern Iowa? No, Iron? Northern Iowa was after you would okay. have gone on with sure, uh, like Bucknell and Bradley. Okay, yeah, that time, right? It was definitely yeah. before the championship. And they would ask me, so do you think Bill Self's the right guy for the job? Like, do you think Bill Self is going to be able to ever do it? And I was just like, listen, if you ever get to the point where you don't want Bill Self as your coach, he'll have another job in three minutes. Like, this is all crazy. Yep. Um, but I. But I guess my point is this. I remember people going, yeah, Bill Self can't win the big game or Bill Self can't break through. And it was sort of an indictment of him as a coach. Like the, it, that's that's the way it was. That's what it translated to. Calipari was the same way. Like, ah, Calipari can't win the big game. It's always dumb, but whatever. Um, at least with Sean, I don't get the sense that people think he's the problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get the sense that, that people go, yeah, Sean Miller can't win the big game. I think they just sort of state it as fact. Sean Miller has lost in four Elite Eights. He's never gone to a Final Four. But I don't get the sense that that negative stuff is necessarily attached to it the way it was with Self and Calipari. Am I reading that right or wrong? Um, I would say that, yes, that's probably fair. I mean, after I wrote that column, I had random fans, random ass people coming in my mentions like on Twitter saying like, Oh yeah, like he can't, he can't win the big game. This is like a pro Arizona, like column, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like all this stuff. And I, I'm with you. Like it's, it's absurd. Like I, this guy is like you said, one of the best recruiters in the country. He play his teams play incredible defense. He gets his teams playing the right way every single year. Like Stanley Johnson came into college as, you know, he was, 
like a he was a top five recruit, obviously, but he was a so so defender from everything that I've read. He as far as effort, just like every other freshman that comes in. And by the end of the year, Stanley Johnson was legitimately an excellent defender. Like he gets these guys to come in and commit to both ends of the floor. And every single year, his team's going to be great defensively. Every single year, he gets these kids like ready to go, ready to play, uh, ready to play pro ball. Like, I don't know what more you could want from him uh, outside of those, you know, eventually he's going to get to the final four. And I, I guess that I can understand why you would want him to get to the final four, but I don't, I don't know what more you could want, I guess, from a head coach outside of that singular win that will eventually be coming to your program. Right. That's the thing. Like the coaches, the truly great ones who, who have to deal with this kind of stuff. Like if you remember Billy Donovan went to a a title game early and then Mm -hmm. he went through a phase where he got knocked out in the opening weekend or before, (laughs) before the second weekend, five straight years. And, and people were like, can Billy Donovan actually coach? You know, is he, is he, all he does is recruit these players and then he loses with them, you know. That's what happened with Mark Few until this weekend. Yeah, right. It's just, um, well, even, I, you know, I, I think because Few didn't get to a Final Four, the people who were screaming that are going to keep screaming it. I think it's dumb. I thought it was dumb two weeks ago. Yeah. I think it'll be dumb two weeks from now. But, oh, yeah. um, but I, the, like the guys who go through this stuff um, – They've all got one thing in common. They 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 build power programs, and then and then they consistently, you know, either recruit at a high level or 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 get teams that you know operating at a high level, and then they fall short time after time after time. But but the, but the pattern is that sooner or later, because they continue to recruit at a high level and can, can continue to give themselves opportunities, they just break through. Roy Williams. Roy Williams will never win a national championship. Really? He's got two now. You know, Billy Donovan can't get out of the opening weekend. Then he won back-to-back title. John Calipari can't win the big game. Now he wins literally every game. You know, this, this Bill Self will never get to, you know, all he does is fall short. Well, you know, now he's got a championship. He's got 11 Big 12 titles. He's been to multiple Final Four. Like, and Sean, like, Sean will fit comfortably on that list with those guys I just mentioned someday. Yep. Calipari, Self. Donovan, Roy, and 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 Sean will be Sean will be right there on that list of of guys who maybe um, you know missed opportunities early for whatever reason, but not look up in ten years and he's got three Final Fours and a national championship. Like I would bet money on something like that. I would bet money that someday we're talking about Sean Miller the same way we're talking about Billy Donovan, not as the greatest coach to never make a Final Four. Yes, yep. I think that's totally inevitable. Um, I, I listen. And, you know, if Arizona is in the East region, then we're not even having this conversation because, I mean, yes, I mean, in theory they could lose, but just didn't see it happening in, in that regard. So no. if they were in the East region, they would have won that region comfortably, I think. They lost a game when a team hit 10 three-pointers in the second half. What yeah, I mean, that's the, and that's the crazy thing, guys, is that, that like – it's yeah, like I asked Wisconsin. Like, I, Wisconsin didn't run away with it, and they had the most ridiculous offensive half yeah. you could ask for. And Arizona was just still kind of like right there over their shoulders. Like you really just had to chop off the head there. Yeah, I asked Bo Ryan about like, has he ever seen one of his teams do that? And he said no. Bo Ryan's been coaching college basketball for forty years, and he said he's never seen a team of his get that hot for a single, like for a full half, as it did against Arizona. So no, like it's. Sean Miller's fine. He'll get to a Final Four. Like, he just ran into a total buzzsaw in this one. 
Um, so, okay, we got uh, Duke, Michigan State on Saturday. We got Kentucky, Wisconsin on Saturday. Do we all agree, um, with all due respect to everybody, the ideal Monday night game is Kentucky-Duke, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty clear, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, that will uh, – uh, I mean, that it, – it will – it just I, – I, honestly, I mean, I, I don't see how we will ever – get a chance to cover a better national title game in our lifetime than that because you've got, at the very worst, the coach that people would put the second best and some would say is right there with Wooden as the best considering the uh, era he's in, going up against the guy who redefined how you recruit uh, in this sport in the modern era and is going for something that's never happened in 40-0. and So it's really, if we do get, and, and it's those two programs, the most... Uh, polarizing uh, and identifiable programs in the sport period. You know, respect to Indiana and UCLA and North Carolina is right there and Kansas is right there. It is Duke and Kentucky. They Those are the two big ones. They are at the ends of the table there. So when you look at the programs, you look at the coaches, you look at the 40-0, you look at the big men battle, the future lottery picks, I don't see how we could possibly get a national title game in the next three decades that would give us something bigger than that. It'd probably be, okay, let's talk lottery picks for a second. Sam, you'll know better than I, but we're going sure. Okafor, Towns, Winslow, Okafor and Towns. I'll, I'll stop you right there. Okafor and Towns right now are legitimately a toss-up yeah. for who the number one prospect is. Yeah. Like, it's it's absolutely in every single way a toss-up. It's going to depend on the team. Uh, they, they've both been incredible this year, but Towns is closed. Like it's he is he is legitimately. We talked about this two months he's ago. In the argument, no, it was, I agree. It was two two months ago. It was kind of silly. Without a doubt, Towns has. Yeah, no doubt, absolutely. It's he's there now. Yes. So okay, so Okafor Towns probably going one and two in the draft in some order. Uh, you go Justice Winslow, top ten pick, two. maybe top five. I've moved to five. Okay. Like, Willie Colley Stein also top ten guy. Sixth. All right. <laughs> so, um, Trey Lyles. Have them like at 15 or 16. Right. So, and then Devin Booker, I have at 15 or 16. Right. Uh, Tyus Jones, I have like in the 20s. Yeah. I mean, we're talking six, seven, uh, eight, you know, first round draft picks. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, it would just be a terrific. Kari Johnson, potential first round draft pick. And when you combine, uh, Kentucky would be going for 40 and 0. John Calipari could have literally 24 hours earlier been named it, you know, a, a member of the Naismith Hall of Fame. Kay, obviously already there. Um, you know, all the pros on the court, the, the brands of Duke and Kentucky, I do think it would set some sort of television record, right? It's got it. Well, I don't oh. know if it's set the Hold on. Uh, keep talking. I'm going to look. I'm going to look right. 79, Indiana State, Michigan State set the record. Yeah, um, I don't think you ever I, – I, I thought television had reached a point where you can't ever touch those kinds of numbers anymore because, like, there's too many channels. Right, because it's like, Matt, like what's the, the number on that? I'm looking, but because it's like no one's ever going to break the mash finale because right. there was like five channels, and so the entire country watched the whole thing. You know, right. I'm looking right now. Um, yeah, but here's the, and so as I'm looking, uh, it, it's it's so good that I feel like we're not going to get it. Like that's just it's the ultimate it's the ultimate game for the sport, honestly, and it would be trim, it would be ironic in the sense that. There had never been more just hand-wringing about how the sport is broken in any season like this. And some of that obviously was correct and changes will be coming. 
But to get that kind of game, and now we've seen the tournament just smashing television rating records, um, it would it would absolutely uh, set just... I don't know if it would break 79, and I'm still looking at it. Instead, we're going to end up with a Big, to- Big Ten championship. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> honestly, it's going to be Michigan State, Wisconsin, and they're going to, they're going to, uh, you know, in Indianapolis. It's going to feel just like the Big Ten that's, tournament. Oh, that's, a good, that's a really I good was, point. I was going to say, like, I would laugh if it was Wisconsin and Duke, and they play a game like where it's 85 to 81 is the final. After all this hand wringing about like low scoring year, like terrible basketball. Like if those two teams play, it's going to be like an 85-81-5. I will say this. Just because the tournament's been terrific doesn't mean that a lot of the stuff people were saying throughout the college basketball season is untrue. That was 100% right. true, right. but it would just be funny to me. I know all right, here we go. Yeah. So I've got the – it is 79, uh, Magic and Larry, um, is the highest rated game ever. It was a 24-1 Nielsen. So there's no way – I don't know That's what that – That's not breakable. No, you can't break that. Yeah, I don't. That's that's just huge. So and because uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Kentucky on TBS on cable was the highest rated ever. That was a nine. Um, I think it was a nine, right? Yeah, it was a nine, nine point oh. Twenty four one is is an outrageously high number. Um, you can't really break that. But I think, listen, if if Notre Dame, Kentucky on TBS was a nine, Kentucky Duke. I mean, it's going to easily crack 15 and could flirt with 17 or 18, which would still be uh, an unreal high number. How about this? It would be unlike anything we've seen in a long, long time. Without a doubt, man. I mean, it would just – it would be an honor and a privilege to to get to cover that game. Uh, It's it's too good that I just (laughs) – I don't know. I love it. I'd love to get it, um, but something tells me we haven't we haven't done everything to deserve Kentucky Duke. Uh, and by the way, it would be, you know, awesome to cover Wisconsin and Frank Kaminsky Player of the Year in a title game. Uh, I'm open to that. If Izzo somehow got the if Izzo beat Duke, I mean, just and we, and the players deserve some credit too. I mean, I do feel like a little bit. It's like it's all Izzo, 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 and it is to a large extent because he's a freaking terrific coach. But it's not like it's a CYO team, okay? They're not like unbelievably brutal. I understand they've had some downtimes. They they shoot free throws at an erratic rate, but they're not awful, okay? They've earned That's, their way. They beat the two, the three, no, and the four. No, 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 no. They've earned it. I will say this: is that even a top twenty college basketball roster? No, it is not. Nope. Not even close. It's not. No, I know. I know. I just I felt like giving some Sparty. Is that guys a top a five Big Ten roster? Yeah, I don't know. No. Right? I mean, Brandon Dawson is the only fringe pro, and I think we're all in agreement that if he gets picked, it's it's fifties at best. Yeah, I I, I yeah. don't I don't know that. I mean, I was about to say I don't know that he'll play in the NBA, but I mean, you start looking around some of these NBA rosters, like there's all sorts of dudes in there that I didn't think would play in the NBA. David Ware is in the NBA right, right. now. Right, I know, right? So yeah, I'll, I'll stop short of saying I'll, he'll never play in the NBA, but um, it's not a great roster, and the job Tom's done with it is just, um, I mean, really, really unbelievable. He's it's been uh, it's been amazing to watch him mold that group. Uh, into something that is like, like, like in the Final Four, like that's bananas. The idea that he has that roster uh, in in the Final Four. So when are you guys getting the indie? Norlander, you coming in? I'll get in Wednesday uh, late afternoon. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, the last Final Four I did not go to was Indy 2010, uh, Duke over Butler. So I'm uh, I'm super pumped for uh, for all of it. Do you have a hotel room, Gary? I do. I finally okay. booked a hotel room. I oh, wow. I, I, I know. I uh, 
I, I told you guys about it. I had not told, I hadn't talked about it on the podcast, I don't think. I, um, like, I've just been traveling so much. Like, I've been in New York literally every week since January. Every week. Like, I mean, I, this is how sad it had, and not sad, it is awesome. Like, the opportunity I've been given, um, the, you know, my, the, the producers and everybody at CBS Sports Network, it has been tremendous. The way our bosses at .com have accommodated the television schedule has been awesome. Like, I, I'm doing so many things I never thought I'd do, and, and it's been an awesome experience, and I can't wait for next year. Like, I'm excited. But like, I have kids and stuff, and uh, in theory, in theory, like I, I'm told, <laughs> I'm told that I have children, and um, like I've I've been gone half the week, literally every week since January, and that's if I don't even go to a basketball game on the weekend. On the times when I would actually go to a game on a weekend, my schedule would be fly up on Monday, um, be in New York Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, fly back home Thursday. And because I have a radio show, I don't get home till 7 o'clock at night on that Thursday. And then if I were going to a basketball game, then I'd have to get up on Friday. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd leave again Friday, be gone Saturday, come back home Sunday. Then I'd leave for New York again Monday. So any time I went to a weekend game, it like, put to, it like strung these days where I was basically gone for like 11 nights and 12 days or something like that. Um, and, and like, that's sort of what this has been lately because I've been either New York, Nashville, you know, I'm in Houston now, um, you know, New York back, blah, 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 blah. Here's, here's what, here's the point I'm trying to make with my, my baby, the, the 14 month old, like when you, <laughs> he was watching, uh, TBS and, uh, like, uh, or, or TNT, what, yeah, TBS, I guess it was during the first, like the round of 64 when, um, you know, uh, Seth was down in Atlanta, Seth Davis, and Martin Cleves was on that set with them. Well, I do, like, Martin and I are on the same schedule. We are together. We've been together every Tuesday and Wednesday since January in New York. Like, I literally, over the past three months, have probably spent more time with Martin than any other human on the planet, and, and, and vice versa. So um, how about this? So my kid, my so Kelly's watching, my wife is watching, you know, like the, the, the studio show from Atlanta. And, and Oliver, our 14-month-old, saw Mateen and said, Daddy, Dada, to Mateen. He was so used to seeing me. Every time he sees Mateen, he sees me. So when he, saw, he calls Mateen Cleves Daddy because he just assumes I've, I must be nearby. So I was like, oh, my God, when my kid it, it sees me more often with Mateen Cleves than he does, like, in person – like we really get to get, get our heads together. So I was traveling so much that um, that I forgot to book a final four room hotel room. I just forgot to do it, and so then I went to do it like a week ago, and everything's booked. Uh, you know, the, like Kentucky fans planned ahead, and there's nothing. So I have found a I I I, I pulled some strings with the NCAA, and they, they they pulled some strings and got something done. But here's the thing: I am technically on a waiting list for Wednesday. I've got a room secured for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Right, just, I mean, you want to snuggle it out? I might have to like snuggle up with you, Norland. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm now the plan. I will get to uh, Indianapolis, and then, um, I, you know, I, I'll see. They tell me that there's a there's a decent chance that I'll be able to check in Wednesday. But if for some reason they say, Mr. Parrish, you're not allowed to check in till Thursday, I'm I'm going to have to snuggle with you on Wednesday night, Norlander. I hope you're okay with that. That's going to be amazing, man. It's it's going to be. Of course, so in Indianapolis, insane. we could like get banned from the hotel for wanting to snuggle together, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, isn't that the new law? That's true. Oh no, hotel I didn't even think about that. Service. 
I didn't even think about this. What if Norlander and I get get banned from a Marriott property because we create the impression that we're going to snuggle? <laughs> Have you thought this through, Norlander? Actually, I did not think this through. And that, as a quick side note, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, if there's going to be, I would think there'll be huge things. And then the question becomes, you know, how much of the news cycle that gets into. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a pickle we might have gotten ourselves into. I'm just excited that Sam gets to go. He gets an incredible first first uh, Final Four experience. And he really gets to experience what it's like to be around us at these events. I don't I don't think he's remotely prepared enough. Tell him it. how much fun I am. Oh, it's... it's uh, I mean... Gary threw a wine glass at my head in Atlanta. I mean, it's <laughs> do you remember that? Like, yes, I just I do you remember, do you remember it? Do you remember it? I do remember it. I like this is not an exaggeration. It's not, and it's not even something I'm proud of. I don't even know why I did it. You I, did it because Goodman took your wallet and he tried to make you think that you lost it and you knew you didn't. And I was standing next to Goodman and so you tossed a wine glass. I am sitting probably a good 15 feet away. There's this huge table in the lobby of Marriott. And, and then another huge table. And I'm at one table and you guys are at the other. And I finish my glass of wine. It's like a glass wine glass, like a real glass. And I just t- like, like flicked it up in the air, probably 10 feet in the air, like, a, like I was throwing a grenade at you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it, like it, it hit and shattered, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why would it I was... do that? that, was so, that that's a crazy was... thing to do. I was really hoping this was like a baseball throw. It, oh, no, 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 no. I threw it like a grenade. Like, I threw it like if I were playing cornhole. You ever play cornhole? Yes. Okay, it was, I threw it like a cornhole, like a cornhole bag. Okay. And um, it shattered everywhere. And then you idiots, remember when you took my credit card and went and bought like a $100 lunch on it? And that was... Uh, That's hilarious. Was that last year? That Was that last year? Was that Atlanta? Yeah. Um, so Goodman, that was Goodman again. He took the credit card. He bought lunch with, uh, it was me, Borzello, Goodman, and an agent, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm, GP, I might owe you like 25 bucks. I, I think all remember. of you owe me. Like, it was like, you guys thought it was funny. I was like, that's not funny to take my American <laughs> Express card and charge a $100 lunch on it. That, why do you think that's funny? That's not funny. Kelly's and, probably looking at it like, God damn it, Gary. Oh, God, trust me. She's got no room to talk when it comes to like oh, charging well, stuff on the American Express card. Is, uh, and then remember when I wrapped a Julio Jones? No, yeah, you wrapped a Julio Jones in an elevator. That was also in Atlanta, and you thought that he was um, Jordan. J- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, every year there really is there really is something every year. So um, I'm I'm super excited for Indy and what could possibly come. Um, and it's uh, it's going to be cool. And the media pickup game. It's happening at Hinkle, no, so that, that is, is uh, going to be a time. See, the fun thing about the media pickup game is it happens in the morning. That's the, that's the, the not fun thing about it. That's the that's the whole thing. It's it's, it's usually the Sunday or the Monday, um, and those are the days where like you know people stay out because you don't have to get up and do media stuff you know at all, and so uh, you really see who's willing to get up and straggle, and and then it's uh, and then it's a whole different scene in general. So it's. Um, and this is going to be a, a great Final Four because it's the perfect convergence of, of the teams, the programs, the fan bases that can and will travel in hordes. And it's in Indianapolis. No one's going to have to drive. So it's going to be a madhouse down there. And we'll see if that's going to conflict with any sort of massive protest. It could be a super interesting week on a lot of levels there. All right. Well, uh, save me a pillow, Norlander, for Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. I cannot. I cannot. You know, here's what we're going to do. 
Um, we're gonna we're gonna do that, and we're gonna uh, are we gonna catch up on the Americans? I'm like three episodes behind. I'm like two episodes oh. behind. I'm a little bit behind on that too. I actually just started watching the Americans. Got to get on it. All it's right, terrific, I'm gonna, I'm, but I'm like two episodes behind. So I uh, I keep saying I'll catch up, but I don't know when. Probably like after sometime after. We're, no, we're gonna catch up on Wednesday night in the hotel. We're gonna we're gonna snuggle together and watch the Americans on my iPad. Yes, it's gonna be good. We're gonna we're gonna sit with our hands on our chins, belly down on the mattress, and watch. So it's gonna romantic. be so great. I am excited. I'm genuinely excited about this. I can't wait to spend the night with you. Now I'm almost hoping I don't get in my room so we can just watch the Americans together. All right, I gotta go. You guys gotta go. I gotta fly. I've got an early flight home tomorrow. I think. I don't even know what time it is. I'll figure it out. Maybe. Either way, we'll talk again from Indianapolis. I promise. Till then, take care. <laughs>